Hello and welcome to episode four of Disabilities Not a Bar. As always, my name is Charlotte McDonald and I'm here with co-host Halima Farouk. Uh, and thank you very much for coming to episode four. Today we have another guest, which is really, really exciting. And we are joined today by Holly Gervin. So welcome. We are in person. Um, we're going to talk to Holly about her journey uh, to the bar. She is a future pupil at Farrah's Building and is Grey's Inn. So we have someone a little bit different because at the moment we've only had inner temple people. So it's good to get some range um, and uh, get different law schools, different inns and see how everyone's been helped or not along the way. And we're going to launch straight in. Why not? Uh, Halima's on the questions. Yes, I am. Firstly, we just want to know more about um, why you decided to pursue the bar. My interest in law more generally started in year nine. Um, our school did like a mock trial competition. Mm-hmm. It was like the national thing, and like you got national chosen. bar school. Yeah, uh, yeah, what's it called? I'm Imagine. so annoyed I didn't do that when it my school had it. Mine, mine did that too. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. I did that in year nine, and I was like chosen to be on the team. Yeah, um, and it was like the best experience ever. I loved it. Um, and we, my school was like a secondary school and sixth form, mm-hmm. yeah. and so we didn't do law at GCSE, but we did A level. And the law available teacher was a solicitor, like an ex solicitor. So she was like running the mock trial with us, and I just like. Mm-hmm. It was like great experience to have someone who obviously had worked in law do it with us. Yeah. Um, then chose law for A level. Again, really loved it. Um, like it was my favourite A level. Um, and then chose to do a uni. Um, and loved that. Um, Can I ask what the bridge was like between going from A-level to uni? Because I didn't do law A-level. And I've known some people who said, I kind of wish I didn't do law A-level because they found it harder to then swap. It was just such a different, like, law A-level was just so, like, not basic. Obviously, it was an A-level, it was hard. But it's just such a big leap and it's a lot more academic at uni, obviously, than A-level. It was literally just, like, learning it rather than critically examining it, really. I had a gap year in between A-levels and uni, um, which was mainly due to medical reasons, but then I ended up volunteering for the police. Mm -hmm. Um, for like basically the whole year um I was in the like CID department so I used to like watch CCTV and do stuff like that it was really quite Ooh. fun <laughs> that sounds like a pr- good thing for like people watching it like, was I mean at times though when they were like oh can you watch like eight hours of CCTV and see if you can see this like one man in a black hoodie it was a little oh. bit tedious but it was quite fun and I liked people um, and that confirmed as well that I liked law in some capacity yeah. even though I don't want to do crime anymore like that was interesting went to uni and joined the bar society i went to warwick um Ooh, bar, nice bar society was like quite a big thing for me um became the first year rep um, in first year um and then it kind of just escalated from there and i just like realized that the bar was for me i did mooting um which i loved and for me the public speaking bit of law is like what i love yeah um, and I, I just couldn't imagine as well like preparing my case and like giving it to someone i just couldn't yeah. i just knew i wouldn't be able to like deal with that really yeah <laughs> um, no I, exactly the same like, I want to finish the case even now working at um working with solicitors and then just watching them hand it over and I'm like just no mm. <laughs> I want that bit that bit looks yeah. like fun and when you've prepared so many papers like just yeah. you're sort of looking for the bar size I'd like to just receive the papers like yeah. that that would be nice no, exactly when did you choose your area of law do you think it was kind of like developing all the way like when I first started uni it was I wanted to do crime and then I realised that actually that wasn't what I found. I found talk, like civil law more exciting. And mm-hmm. that probably sounds really weird to most people. <laughs> yeah, the kind of my areas of interest were drawn more towards civil. I get really excited about like working out damages, which I know is really, <laughs> really sad. But I'm like, oh, that's like interesting. Oh, like, because I did maths at A-level, so I like being able to use my like maths brain. 
Um, I was interested. I, I watched, um, I mean, we're in September now, uh, if anyone's listening at a different time, but uh, I, I watched um, Worth the other day, which is about mm. them trying to calculate the damages for the 9-11 victims um, and their families. And that was actually so interesting. It's like, what is a life worth? And I had a big yeah. chat with, with my dad afterwards about all the damages things. Were like, what is a finger worth? And what yeah. is your ear worth? And you don't think about parts of your body yeah. in monetary terms until you see it on a so page. Yeah, I, I can see why it's interesting, at least, even if we're not in, in the field. Yeah. In the field. Um, so, sorry, after university then, um, you went to, did you go straight to the bar course? And then what was your experience like at the bar so, course? I was lucky enough to get the scholarship from Grey's, um, which I'm eternally grateful for. Um, and then went to University of Law in Leeds to do the bar course. I'm yeah. like, I live in Lincolnshire, well, originally from Lincolnshire, so it was kind of like my nearest provider. Mm. And also it made sense because the bar course actually costs a lot, slightly less in Leeds, and obviously accommodation is cheaper in Leeds, so it just made yeah. sense. And Greys were quite good at like get, paying for like hotels and stuff when we had to mm-hmm. come for qualifying sessions. Um, so for me, actually, on the bar course, it was quite positive disability-wise. Um, yeah. So the biggest thing for me was the books, because um, I literally, I mean, I'm a wheelchair user. I don't know if we said that. Because uh, I basically can't carry too many books. Like, there was no way I was going to be able to lug the white book from my flat to the uni. Like, I only lived about 15 minutes from the building, but still. So I spoke to my personal tutor in the disability department, and we they got me a spare copy. So I was one of those like rare people who had two white books, two <laughs> black stones. Mm. So I had a locker at the uni, and that meant I could like just go and get stuff. Um, and to be fair, in general, they were really good at like adapting things and kind of making sure that so like occasionally, you know, obviously you can't be late to the bar course, but there was like one or two occasions where the bus just hadn't let me on. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I was late because but in I particular, think- I found that Greys were really, really good for qualifying sessions. Um, so like because so we came down to London for them. I mean, they used they were good. They paid for hotels for anyone who wasn't based in London for like when we had to come down for qualifying sessions that, yeah. mm. so it was and not all the units did it but Grey's did yeah and in a in a temple uh were very good with me they um they would pay for my so, taxis for qualifying sessions um so, yeah so completely ins have been very supportive but um Holly I am gonna take us back slightly because I know I know that we've started talking about um your disability but I just want to take us back if you can um tell us more about your disability and maybe if we start from the beginning um, so I have um osteogenesis imperfecta um which... that's so I'm sorry it sounds like a spell from Harry Potter it really does <laughs> I mean it's like of course it's in Latin um but it's a genetic condition so I was born with it had it since birth like always needed a wheelchair obviously I wasn't like born in a wheelchair but you get the gist like I had one from about the age of four so from about the age of four I used a wheelchair and before that I was like in a pram so essentially never walked um properly um so yeah it was quite like obviously it had massive impact on me growing up because it is it just does like all the schools I went to I was the only kind of visibly disabled person mm-hmm. definitely the only wheelchair user um and to be fair, like my secondary school, in a way, it was a quite an old building. Um, as it was, um, it was a grammar school and like old built. You can imagine. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it was all on one floor. Like there was like only two classrooms upstairs, and so like it was very easy to just not timetable me in those rooms. Um, but on the whole, like it was quite. My school were really good at adapting things, and I think I'm, I, I'm not afraid to ask, and I think like I've got better at that as I've got older. Like certainly on the bar course, I was really confident with saying like, like and like at uni I was to be fair, but like through school I've got got like confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I used to just ask and you know I kind of didn't want to let it impact me um because I wanted to do everything I was a bit stubborn um yeah really that was when I think the reality of it all hit me and I was like oh like I'm gonna be able to do this like what if the courts aren't accessible and what if this and what if that and what if I can't get in chambers I'm like such a big thing the court I mean being being in London now the courts and the chambers is one thing that for me has been a massive thing we talked about a bit about it in the last episode um not last episode second episode but it was just just looking you're getting somewhere yeah. not for me I mean very di- bit different for you because you've had it for your whole life yeah. so you probably are attuned to asking and being ahead was I'm not there yet yeah. and I will just rock up to a building and then find out it's not accessible yeah. and so many London chambers are accessible so because so, I can mm-hmm. imagine having had my disability at school because yeah. we had three stories yeah. Um, and even when someone broke their leg, trying to timetable them to be back on the floor, ground floor was was a nightmare. And yeah. All of the IT was upstairs and things like that, you know. It's just things people don't think about. And I think that's like the biggest it's thing. Not, when I was at Warwick, we used to, as bar staff, we used to like do little trips to London. And I remember like luckily the other like members of the exec and like kind of my friends on the doing law were like so good at making sure like if they were organizing it and they knew I was coming they'd do the hard work for me oh, and like because it's just so much effort isn't it like having to contact people and be like oh is it accessible mm-hmm. um but they always did and like there was one chambers we went to and they put out I can't remember which chambers it was but they had like quite a few steps up to the front door but they had this massive metal ramp like it was literally like a whole new like construction <laughs> and they must have like put it out if someone's coming but they put it out for me so I could get up and it was just so sweet that they'd like they were, oh was it all right and I was like yeah thanks <laughs> like I'm not gonna be like no it was awful um yeah so I think and to be fair that was one of my big worries as well was I think realistically I always like there was a thing that I wanted to be in London I just wasn't sure and I was always doubting it because it's just so it is quite an inaccessible yeah. city like it's manageable but especially kind of the more like law area so like temple mm-hmm. isn't the most accessible place because it's old so yeah obviously it's not going to be and I was just so worried but then I was like well maybe I can do it and I was like actually it's ridiculous for me to not go to London just because it's not accessible that's ridiculous mm-hmm. and I was like that shouldn't be a it thing be, no it just got back to accessibility uh, this week I've had um a couple of experiences with I work very close to Temple in that area, I work with Chancery Lane, and I had an issue on Tuesday where the the escalator and the lift at Bank were broken, Ooh. both of them, and I saw that on the way up and went a different way round, tried to walk to Temple Station, managed to walk a route that had a set of stairs, eventually, after having to sit for a long time because I was in pain, then went, got to Temple Station to find out that Temple Station also isn't accessible. And the guy couldn't tell me which of the local stations were. Fancy, Nana. And it was just, I was sat there and in the end I had to get a taxi home because I, and I, to me that's like, as I say, giving in. But for me, it yeah. is like, I never want, I want to do things by myself and independently yeah. and get on. And ta- for me, ta- I don't like getting taxis. It's sort of like the last resort, but it took me two hours to come to get a taxi. So it's, even now it's like, you've got, got to do it. But it's just realising all these things that, especially going from able-bodied to disabled, like mm. trying, suddenly realising places that yeah. I forget. I used to have it all the time before and I never clocked that it was stairs because I never thought about it because I just skipped down them and it was fine. And there was a little thing, like I went back to my old university, which was Cambridge, but I went to Jesus in Cambridge and the front entrance isn't accessible. Um, And I went back and they've made the front entrance wheelchair accessible. I actually like welled up. I was like, it's now accessible because there's so many areas that aren't accessible. And I think going to Cambridge, I realized that when I became unwell there and then now coming to London, the tube system isn't good. But one of the big things, I mean, 
I know it's slightly off topic, but going back, you said that three buses hadn't picked you up. Mm. So how often do you find that things like buses don't pick you up or taxis don't say yes? Because I've heard that from a Paralympian yeah. even this week. Paralympic gold and then three taxis rejected him. Yeah. Um, so is that something that you have to sort of pre-plan, pre-tell or are they usually good? Uh, I've found buses in London tend to be a bit better because there's been quite a lot of like backlash in London about it. Mm-hmm. Taxis, um, to be fair, like so I use either Uber Access or get it's like the oh and, yeah and you the... can like put on it wheelchair accessible so they know so i tend to do it like that so because i'm then i'm like they can't reasonably mm-hmm. go away when they know i'm a wheel- like yeah. that'd be ridiculous so that's how i kind of do it and then i've not had that many problems using that but like just things so like i've worked out the tube now just about um yeah. and certain i use i figured out the tfl there's like i think it's tfl go or like there's an app basically mm-hmm. that you can put on like step free mode and it just removes all the stations that you can't go to and then you like tells you how to get there. Yeah. The, the people don't realise how much people's lives depend on it. And mm-hmm. I think that's exactly. it's it's like, oh, it's someone with luggage or yeah. buggy. Yeah, okay, but you can do you can move you and you can, can do different like, things. And, it's adaptable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, but I think for I I really feel uh, I've never been in a wheelchair permanently for sort of short periods of time, but it's just something that I can't imagine looking at London, even just like some of the steps yeah, um, transport in general. I'm like in the habit of constantly before I leave anywhere checking going online and like looking at all the stations I need to go to and like because it normally it updates pretty regularly so this is broken but it's ridiculous that every time you make a journey even if it's like one that you make all the time that you have to go and like yeah double check the accessibility you have to like you can't just rely on it and I think people often forget that disabled people do work and like do commute and we're not just having a little wander around like we normally do need to get somewhere yeah we're not doing it for fun yeah (laughs) yeah I had exactly something like that this morning where um so I uh if I don't know the route I would get um station staff to assist me um and what normally happens is they call up the next station and you know they they they'd make sure they know the train number or whatever that I'm coming on and this morning they didn't turn up uh, halfway during my journey so I was changing at a station and I waited and I was like well they're not here so I'm just gonna wing it because I've I've come here before but I texted Charlotte and I was like um (laughs) I have no idea how to exit the station I'm winging it I'm on my way but I had exactly that like it's like guys I've got somewhere to be I mean and again, it's that whole concept that we've touched on before, Charlotte, is the whole concept of if, if my disability is all that you want to see, that is all that you will see, Yeah. you know? Um, yeah, and I mean, it's similar this morning. I mean, I there was a lift out of order at the station I was using. And that, the lift, I've no, I've, it's right by somewhere I use constantly. It's never been out of order. I've, I didn't check in advance. It's right there. And it was just it's really there's just a sinking feeling you get when you get there yeah. and i mean i i am lucky in the sense that i can use the stairs but it was about three flights um and i missed my train um so i had to then wait ages for another one so actually this morning we all had some sort of issue getting mm. getting here um but it's just the yeah <laughs> so i was like oh, this is material <laughs> but, but so um Tell me a little bit about your time at university, bar school, and also any mini pupillages or legal experiences you've had um, taken into consideration your disability. And how- um, so at uni, I was really lucky. Um, so one of the main criteria for me when I was choosing a uni was accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and Warwick is a campus uni. It's very flat. It's a great little 
it was perfect really I lived on campus the whole time yeah um didn't have to do public transport to get to lectures it was just perfect um and I was very lucky that the law school were really good I had a really good personal tutor um who is amazing um and my lecturers were all really understanding there was a few seminarians that were a bit tight so they always made sure I was in the bigger one so then they like make sure tell me which ones I could go Mm. to basically um so they were good and like my lecturers there was a few things like they did so like in final year I did this module where we didn't have a textbook but we had like a bundle of papers it was like 10 weeks worth of reading and it was massive it was like quite intimidating when we got given that at the start of the (laughs) module but it was just so big that I was like I can't carry this like every week so she like did me a special one where it was like week one week two like so oh, each brilliant. week was separated mm. and she did it like I just said like oh is there any way I could have like and she was like yeah of course and like the lecturer did it herself she didn't even like give it to her and I was like that's just so sweet oh. that she like did that and like didn't even like raise it she was just like yeah of course I'll do it like mm. it wasn't an issue she was like just ask. And I think for me the biggest like tip if you want is like being confident to say what you need and yeah. not being embarrassed like it doesn't they're not going to judge you like you know then it's not a problem and there was one time so what Warwick there was two lecture lists that I couldn't get to so I said from the start like can I just not be in that room and one of my optional modules was in that room and at first they were like oh I don't know if we can move it like we'll have to like contact timetabling I was like well you're gonna have to I said because I've chosen this module and like there's 30 lecture theatres in this uni and there's two I can't use. Like, I'm sure we can mm-hmm. figure it out. And eventually they did and they moved it. <laughs> and when we ended up in there and everyone was like, why are we in here? This is odd. And I was like, yeah, it's because of me. Sorry. <laughs> but it was fine. Like, it was, yeah, and it was fine. And it was just having that confidence to say, like, being like, no, I'm not just going to watch the recording. I I deserve to, like, I'm paying the same as everyone else. Yeah. I deserve to, like, be able to attend my lectures. I do have a follow-up question, which I wanted to ask earlier as well, and I I, I admire this about you, the, the confidence. It, oh. it took me quite some time to yeah. build it. I had a teacher at my school who was sort of fighting my corner, and she's who I got that courage to, if you don't yeah. ask, you don't get, yeah. that sort of stuff. So I'm wondering... Have you had that sort of external um, someone? Some... My parents, basically. Um, yeah. My mum and dad never, so, like, my condition's genetic, but no one else in my family is disabled. Like, it's a genetic mutation. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, it was, like, a new experience for them. But from the start, they said, like, when I was born, they were basically like, well, we're not, um, especially when my, my, I have a younger brother, but, like, well, we're not going to treat them differently. Like, And then mm-hmm. I kind of got it from there. And I think I learned that if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. And it's about kind of having that conversation and being like, like let's look at this reasonably it is reasonable for you to move that lecture. It mm-hmm. is reasonable for me to have two copies of the books. Like that, that's not an extravagant mm-hmm. ask, especially yeah. ever. And to be fair, with many privileges, that was one of the things that I found hardest and was one of the things that maybe made me like doubt whether I could do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about accessibility when applying for a mini because I was like, it's three days, it doesn't really matter. And I think only one of my minis I could get in the chambers. All the others like had steps. And so I'd meet them at court and it was fine. Like we worked it out. But for me, it was like meant that my mini experiences maybe weren't like other people who had a mini at the chambers would get. And it was, you know, they worked around it and they were, all the chambers were really good and like it wasn't anything to do with them. But it's just one of those things that made it, me think, oh, am I being really like silly going to the bar when I can't get in most of the chambers? No, I completely feel that. I mean, we, we've, it's come up, come up a couple of times, right? but I mean, accessibility of, of chambers is, is awful. But I always say, but, I mean, the barristers I was always with were always lovely. Yeah. You know, it always helped. We'd offer barristers. Like, what yeah. can I carry? What can I do? What can yeah. I, how can I help you? And that was always lovely. But well, I think when it's a building, you're like, I cannot change the building. Mm, um, yeah. But I think it's interesting hearing you sort of say about confidence building and um, just 
sort of accepting that you need this and you can apply for it because I'm sort of getting to that stage of slowly being like without without feeling like I have I'm in some way a burden by asking for yeah. those things and it's like no this is just me I need these things yeah. and you have you either have to offer these things or you can offer these things and people are always lovely about it yeah even at things with work this week um literally this week um they I was having accessibility issues coming in um and they've offered me to pay for taxis if I struggle yeah and that's something that even now I've got a taxi receipt and I've not given it in because yeah. I'm still like, oh, but if I didn't have this issue, you wouldn't have yeah. to pay this. And it's feeling like guilty for yeah. you know, accepting the help. Um, and I had to talk it through. I sort of get CBT with, with yeah. pain and I talked it through with her this week and sort of said like, it's one of those things that I sort of feel I have to let my pain get as bad as possible yeah. so that I can then justify to myself mm-hmm. taking the taxi to then be okay asking for the refund yeah. whereas actually what I should have done especially this week is taken it before yeah, at the beginning of the pain before that all happened yeah. and just gone I knew this was where it was going but I felt difficult to sort of justify it so it's it's really nice to ha- hearing someone who just goes you know you know mm, to yeah, do it from the start. there's still times when I'm like not very good at it and like I don't like admit it. I think especially if it's going to cost money that's when I get like more like, mm, definitely yeah um because I'm like if it's just someone's like doing me a little favor like I'm less but like I'm less unsure about asking but I'm just learning that a lot of the time like I'm entitled to it so I should ask and it's I'm not being demanding I'm just saying like this is the reasonable adjustment I need yeah um and it's just learning it and like things like taxis you know I hate getting taxis because it's just it sounds stupid but it's just like one of those things that like a lot a lot of able-bodied people wouldn't necessarily get um like all the time like I you know I mean do get taxi you get what I mean yeah. um but I was like, oh, like am I being a bit extravagant getting a taxi and I'm like well no because like I'm I, I get a personal independence payment which you know you get so much money a week I'm like that's what the money's for mm-hmm. like this is like I'm not being like extravagant getting a taxi when actually well, I still struggle with it and sometimes I'm like no I'm gonna get the bus I like actually it's so much easier just to get a taxi yeah mm-hmm. um, if I could just but, take a little tangent on that because you talked about Pip um is how have you found applying for things like funding? So if you talked before about Gray's funding hotels, yeah. um, have sort of inns or or government or whoever or the yeah. universities been good in helping fund fund things? Uh, yeah. Because some, that's something that I had didn't think about because yeah. when I apply, when I started applying for the bar and that was when I first needed these kinds of things, I did not even consider asking for like financial help, which I think yeah. would have been really beneficial. So if there's people out there not knowing where to sort of start. Yeah. Do you apply to the inns? Do you ask? Yeah, obviously PIP's sort of different because it's yeah. government, but um, are there things that people can can get? And if so, what's, yeah. have any helped you? Yeah. I've got my scholarship and then Grace is means tested. So they give you your scholarship and then it's like minimum 5,000 of them, I think. And then they give you however much based yeah. on your needs. So I put on my form, like, my accommodation is going to be more expensive than it would be for a non-disabled person because I need an ensuite, really, because I need a wet room and, like, you can't get not not on sweet rep rooms and then I kind of explained them and I said like oh I'll maybe need like so much a week for taxis and stuff and then obviously they don't tell you how they work it out the amount I got I could tell they'd taken it into account Brilliant. because it was more than I was expecting to be quite honest um and then Grays also have I think it's called the Hebe Plunkett Award which is for um disabled um either bar course students or pupils oh, who need money to cover costs um mm like related to their disability and I didn't apply to that because my scholarship kind of gave me enough that I didn't need to but it's like the options there and I think drawing people in job be fine but it's nice to know the options there should I need it 
Yeah. Uh, it's one of those at inner as well, just if anyone's listening. Mm-hmm. But they, it's only when you're on the bar course or a pupil. So I'm in this middle yeah. bit now of like, I am, I'm searching. Um, and I remember sort of before considering whether to apply, but they prefer to have you ask specifically for something. So money yeah. for a laptop or Ooh, yeah, whereas- That's I, a good example. My iPad, I applied um, the disability, Inner Temple Disability Grant, because my iPad that I had, it's been the one that I've had since the beginning of time, like 2013. <laughs> ones, yeah. um, um, I said, I need a new iPad because all my books are electronic. Um, and then they gave me funding for this one. And then they also gave me a large screen monitor oh, yeah. for my laptop. Because that was the problem with me is that when, especially when I first started, because I didn't know what I wanted, I wasn't, I didn't have like a set thing to put down. Yeah. It was almost just like, well, just money. Just, it's just being disabled. It costs money, and yeah. you know, and I, I couldn't sort of ask for you know, like tube funding because I, no. I was like, I already would get that anyway. Yeah. And so I didn't apply because I was really nervous about being like, I don't qualify um, in what way because you had to ask for something specific. Yeah. And now I think you know, when it comes to people who don't ask certain things, I've yeah, I, I get access to work for my current job and they are they are very good. You, um, it, application is, I'm plugging them right now, but, <laughs> but you the application is quite straightforward and then you'll have an advisor call you up. And um, I've been told, because I've looked into that kind of stuff, is for barristers, they will have, for example, if you need a support worker, which is something I would need, um, yeah. especially if I'm going to court because um, I need a sighted guide, you know, or, yeah. and they have specific people that are qualified enough for barristers. Right. So it's not like you'll get someone who you have to tell, they will yeah. know what sort of what's your line of work. And yeah. If I can jump on the back of that, because we started to talk about your work. So we know that you got Future People Barrister 2022 um, and you got called to the bar earlier this year. Yes, You've yes. got obviously time between when you finished the bar course and pupillage. So yeah. what have you been doing slash what are your plans? And in terms of being in the real world, you know, rather than education, yeah. how's that been? Um, you've already mentioned getting there is okay, but yeah. um, has everything been been good? And, and yeah, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, so I work for the Nursing and Midwifery Council in the fitness practice adjudications department, so dealing with hearings. Um, and they're a really good employer, um, to be fair. And the office is really modern because it's in Stratford, and Stratford's obviously been done up since the Olympics, so it's <laughs> a great place to live um, if you're a wheelchair user. Um, and they've been really good. I mean, I started in October 2020, so just after Straight the bar course, yes. um, and worked from home. Um, and so a month ago, I moved to London, and I now live near the office. And I'm going to do that until I start my people. To be fair, one thing that was really hard was finding employment after the bar course. Um, it took me quite a while to find something. Um, like I had one, like it's on. Um, I tweeted about it, and it kind of. I ended up on the news about it um, because one job interview like cancelled because I was a wheelchair user and I was really frustrated because they were I basically it was like through an agency, so I applied through this agency for a job and it didn't say like where the job was or anything it just like said a generic location, and so I applied they were like oh thanks like we've looked at your CV we want to interview you, and then they were like oh um, actually and then I said oh is it wheelchair they wanted to interview me in person so I said oh is the office wheelchair accessible like just so obviously if you're turning up for an interview it's going to be really awkward if I can't get in the building mm-hmm. and they were like oh no the office isn't accessible like thanks for your interest we'll keep you in mind like the way it was worded was definitely like thanks but no, no thanks. thanks and yeah. I was just so frustrated so I tweeted about it and then in the end this company that did a massive that they did like an investigation because they got in massive trouble basically and then they offered me the job um but by then I'd been offered this other job which I would 
the job I'm in now, I much prefer to the job I would have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also so a, little bit of a, a little bit of a sense with that, that it's sort of like, yes, they've changed, but because that was their initial response, yeah. you can't really get over that by being then an employee because there's something ingrained slightly from the Yeah, from I was being really stubborn. Well, I was going to accept it had I not got this other job. And my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, And I was like, no, because they need to learn that they can't just... Because I was like, they basically won if I don't go for the job. Because yeah. then that means that like, if they don't want kind of the effort of employing a disabled person, not that it is effort, but they can just say that to other people and then think, oh, it's fine, like, because they won't want people to work for us anyway. Yeah. And I was like, they need to learn that, like, and they need to make their offer successful. And in the end, it wasn't as inaccessible as they thought. They just were basically being lazy and couldn't be bothered to, like, look at the building. And, do, like, they were like, oh, no, there's no disabled toilet. And then all of a sudden, magically was a disabled toilet. I was like, <laughs> how do you not know if there's a disabled toilet in your building? Like, just ask, every, like, a reception and they'll be able... It was just bizarre. And I was just really lucky that, like, my employer now, like, they're really good. Um, and have just, like, made so many, like, in the office... They make sure, make sure I'm in like the best hearing room for me and kind of sort it out so that I'm kind of it's all set up in like a holly way like the chairs move from behind the desk just basic things like that and mm. it's set up and there's never kind of I never feel awkward having to ask I, I don't think it would have been good for me to go straight into pupillage from the bar force and yeah. um, I think I needed like a bit of time working cool time and like just being working in kind of a employed job for me yeah. before I started pupillage right I mean I think I feel that I feel like I also feel like I developed so much in between oh. you know you learn so much just by okay. sounds all going into the real world and just seeing things or you know you're hearing you're hearing hearings yeah. you're, you're, and the same I'm working with solicitor paralegal now so yeah. it's, you get the same same feeling but you how did you find your applications um for pupillage in terms of what you wrote what you told them in advance whether you just use the equalities form or whether you use yeah. it the example is always like tell us about something you've overcome or something mm. like that and I, I always feel like do I talk yeah. about disability there and um, so what was that like and then if you had interviews what were they like were they- um, so this is something I always really struggle with because I never know how to do it but my thing I think I'm very lucky in a way having a visible disability because I don't really need to disclose it once you've seen me um so it's kind of less effort if that makes sense like I never have to worry about should I disclose should I not because they're going to find out at some point anyway um so I tended on pupillage application forms I always put it in the, like the equality bit yeah. um and then I kind of normally didn't put it in the rest of it but if you read my application prop not properly but if you read my application it was kind of obvious I was disabled so like at uni I was president of the society for disabled students which is to me like a sign yeah. <laughs> there's like other things that like I've done that if you like looked at them are quite obvious I'm disabled in some way um and there was like a few things I think I struggle more talking about being disabled on application forms because I think I never want it to come across as like oh just give me the job because I'm disabled yeah I never want it to be like that but in interview I find it better because I think when you can be like explain it but like like I use it as an example so Mm -hmm. there's like a Mm -hmm. you know the classic like oh tell us of a time you've persuaded someone to do something once I was trying to get back from London to university, it was the last train back. And basically, I had booked the assistance, but they had this rule that they had to like radio through to the station I was getting off at. Mm-hmm. And until mm-hmm. that station answered, they wouldn't let me on the train. But it was the last train. It was like five minutes to leave. And I was like, well, if you don't let me on this train, I'm abandoned in London. I was like, let's think about this reasonably. Is mm-hmm. it not better for me to get on this train and potentially not get off? But I said, it's going to take an hour and a half to get where I was going. So I was like, the chances are you're going to get through to them in that hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I said, put me on the train I said please 
and they did and like they were like oh it's against policy i was like well yeah i know it's against your policy but like let's look at this reason policies are made to be broken if they're terrible policies and, and it just makes sense i was like if you don't put me on this train i'm abandoned in london with nowhere to stay i was on my own i was like this is ridiculous and so they put me on the train but from that story, it doesn't make sense if I don't kind of add the caveat animal because otherwise I'm like, what do you yeah. mean someone has to put you <laughs> on the train? Like, oh, like <laughs> what is going on? Um, and a few of the interviews I had, I only ever had two in person and it was my first ever one and my last ever one because um, my first ever one was just before the pandemic and then my last ever one was like, was obviously it was still pandemic, but it was like when interviews were happening in person and that was actually the one like, like the people I got. Um, was my like the last ever pupilage interview um so for me virtually it's really interesting because virtually you can't tell i'm in a wheelchair um, and it's a really weird experience for me because i'm so used to everyone being able to tell mm-hmm. and like for me it's been weird working from home as well is that a lot of my colleagues yeah. like it came up in conversation every often like a few of my colleagues knew but certainly not everyone i worked with and like when i go in the office you can see they're like oh Hi Holly, and like they don't say anything, but I could tell some of them were like, "Oh, didn't know that." I had exactly you. the same right, as as someone who I mean, you walk a walking stick, and it's it was something that coming into the office, people were very awkward yeah. that I hadn't because there's a few people my my team knew, so it's yeah. saving that but my team knew because they knew that I had medical appointments and yeah. things, but people who I only worked with occasionally or yeah. met on virtual yeah, events and things, they would then come in, and the problem is is that I then did go back to the what have you done to your leg scenario repeatedly yeah. and I was like oh I don't want this <laughs> so mm. yeah it was it was a bit frustrating at times but um yeah it was also like oh yeah it's little things like virtually you don't get to know people at all yeah. No. so yeah I think there is a lot about working virtually which I don't know about you but part of it was nice because it was sort of like everyone was on it almost like on an equal playing yeah. field there was no prejudgment it was just I was working and that was it and actually sort of coming into the office I've actually quite liked it that way around it's like yeah. they've known me they just know me as, as yeah. me and then I've got this then I've got I'm, the disability but yeah it's I'm been really, a really weird experience for me because it's like really the first time I've met people and them not knowing um so it's been a, kind of a nice experience and it's been interesting and I think it's like me kind of because I always worry that people treat me differently when I'm because I'm disabled so actually being able to work virtually and not have to think about that and know they're just treating me the same as everyone else because they don't know if that makes sense yes yeah. so it's been a really nice positive experience yeah. I'm not going to kind of actively be like, by the way, I'm a wheelchair user in an interview, like in a virtual interview. Um, obviously, when I had an in-person interview, I had to yeah. do it. And it was my first round at Farris was um, online. And then they invited me to a second round. And they like emailed me to say, like, can you come? And so I emailed back and was like, yeah, like, I'll come. But can I check, is it wheelchair accessible? And they rang me and they were like, oh, we, they were like, we were going to put it in the email to you, but we completely forgot that, yes, we're going to sort it out. And they were like, almost... I don't know whether, but they were like reassuring me, like, like, yeah, we we knew we noticed in your form, and like, don't worry, we had already thought about it, and it, it was just they had made the effort, and they like rang the fact that they rang me to be like, sorry for not putting in the original email, like we went to do it, and then we that's just, nice. Take the it was just yeah. like effort, and yeah, it was good, and I'm just always quite. I normally like I have a set phrasing. I'm like, hi, thank you for your invite. I'm pleased to confirm that I would like to attend the interview. Please, can I check, double check if your venue is wheelchair, your office is wheelchair accessible as I use a wheelchair? Um, like, happy to answer any questions. Um, and that's kind of just the way I do it. Um, and then that kind of deals with it. And that's kind of, um, it's quite reaffirming. So I just feel like interviews for whatever, whether it's for a job, whether it's for, for um, pupillage or whatever, it's a two-way thing. You have to see whether you like them yeah. in the interview as well. And I've had some interviews 
for pupillage where yeah thank you very much but actually I realized it wasn't really the set for me just yeah. on the way that it, that it was and for some people they'd absolutely thrive it just wasn't my yeah. vibe <laughs> if you want to say that but I think when things like that happen where they take the extra steps yeah. you go I, you're you're making mm. an effort towards me and it's a two-way thing and we are in this together yeah. and I really appreciate those yeah people who take those steps and you're like yeah. actually I know a bit more about you just just yeah. from the way that you've handled yeah. this and I think that's quite a big thing whether they make you feel comfortable or not yeah um, and so funny story about Farrah's this is if anyone's ever been to Farrah's they'll know this it's currently not wheelchair accessible but it will be by 2022 um basically there's like I think they said six steps like once you go in but once you're in the building it's completely accessible and um, so they actually did my interview in the uh, chambers next door and they got like another chambers to open up and interview me there and they didn't make a fuss about it at all they just were like yeah of course we'll inter- like we're not gonna because I was like oh I can do it virtually if it's easier like, no like we'll just borrow the chambers next door like Brilliant. it's not it wasn't an issue um and they just made me feel and they were like oh when they like rang me to offer me the people they were like oh sorry again that you couldn't come in like the chambers and I was like no it's like fine like thank you for interviewing me and like thank you for offering yes. me because I'm not going to moan am I <laughs> brilliant great so we're coming to our last sort of final roundup questions um and my first one for you as good for positives is what has been has there been a single best moment um that you've had with others regarding your disability and your sort of pursuit to the bar that has stuck you with you that you think has helped you particularly in a certain way or it's just been such a positive experience that it's something that you remember as a result to be fair like I have had quite a lot of positive experiences I did some marshalling on the bar floor with a judge and obviously the court isn't fully accessible because why would it be and she made sure she basically got I don't know which department got them to move her cases to the room. There's only like a few courtrooms that I could get to like the judge's bench in. And she moved there and that meant like for a judge to like move courtrooms for me. It was really sweet um, and was a good experience. Um, and then also last summer I did like some like disability at the bar, like Zoom call things. I just wanted to, I don't know, it was kind of originally out kind of like a selfish reason in that like I wanted to know that there was other disabled barristers because like, I think I'm, like, a big believer of, like, you can't be what you can't see. Like, you need to see, like, people doing, like, the job. And yeah, so I, like, put out a call on Twitter and then managed to arrange it. And I think in the end there was, like, ten barristers that, like, joined this, like, these panel discussions. I did, like, two calls. And for me, like, the feedback and, like, reception I had to that, like, people were willing to do it and speak to and like, like, I met, uh, like, there was quite a few barristers, like, who used a wheelchair who I had never heard of and, for me to like know that it was possible and talk to them and like I've still got their contact details um, and like they've said they're happy for me to contact them and whatever if I like need to which is so important and I think made me realise that yeah I am doing the right thing because even then like I was I'd finished the bar course basically but I still had doubts and I was still like what am I doing and you know when you're applying for chambers and you know they're not wheelchair accessible I'm like oh, what am I doing and everyone was like I'm just applying and I'll figure it out might be a bit more practical like of course you have to pursue this career that's mm-hmm. traveling all the time and but it's what I want to do and I wasn't gonna change my career but yeah I kind of like segue there but yeah kind of for me the adaptations people have made and how in a um as well today did a panel um whilst I was on the bar course I was very literally just been diagnosed and I went to this panel um that it was it was it was it wasn't a panel it was like a, a round table and they wanted yeah. they, when we just talked about what we need what needed to be changed and project pegasus is happening at the moment in the inner so it's all being stripped yeah. and I'm really hoping that's going to be accessible um and 
just talking about to each other was really it was just a, a, an opportunity to all get together around this enormous table and meet people or even meet people that I knew that I didn't know had a hidden disability and um, was was really reassuring and talking to people at all different levels um so it's, it's not that sort of thing I, I really recommend going to even if you yeah yes yeah, because it was it was a very um sort of private thing and we could all yeah. talk without feeling you know, judged because um, you're there and I got very emotional at that because it was just I've never spoken to anyone about it and I suddenly having got what I thought was going to be something fixable became a permanent diagnosis um was then panicked exactly I was like I don't think I could do yeah. this I'm doing the bar course I'm managing but I suddenly was like I don't think this can this can be the career for me anymore and just going to that one event genuinely changed things for me because I was around people who were proving it could happen or were taking steps to make sure it could happen for people so I definitely think like support network like having a support network and talking to other people and having other people you know are in the same position even if they're not kind of wheelchairs it's like get excited seeing another disabled barrister because it reminds me that like oh it's possible like there are things that can be done um so yeah like the support network's a massive thing and like just knowing and kind of getting those contacts and yeah. for me like the support network is really important and I think the bar's quite good at that because it's quite a networky profession like everyone kind of not everyone knows, most people know each other like it's very intimate it's even at different chambers and things I think that's really important yeah. and not not to switch to a to a negative <laughs> but has there been sort of one standout thing that you think we could take sort of a lesson from because it has been has been your sort of most negative experience with others regarding your disability regarding the pursuit of the bar I think for me it's just been kind of the challenges and like I said earlier with like many people it's just like not being able to go into the chambers um because it is just really like not upsetting but it's like a bit like oh maybe I can't do this um and it's frustrating really actually um and I think it's just in my mind one of the best things that chambers could do is make it very obvious on their website what their accessibility is not just for applicants, but for you know, for anyone that yeah, is attending clients, 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 you know, for me, like that's the biggest thing that makes an impact on my life is when even like not even career-wise, like bars and restaurants and what have you. If I can find accessibility info online, it's like the best thing ever because the amount of time, like time and energy I have to spend contacting people to ask about accessibility, but actually it takes two minutes to put it on my website and then it's there for everyone. To round everything off, what, what was the sort of one little nugget that you want people to to take away? If they don't take anything else away from this this episode. For what, me, the biggest thing that's made an impact is having the confidence and to like ask for things and ask for those adjustments. But it's also about kind of other non-disabled people like don't prejudge disabled people candidates, whatever it is. Kind of, I'd much rather people come to me and say, oh, "What can we?" Like, I don't mind if someone comes up to me like brazen and says, "Oh." Like what do you need support like in chambers like if they ask me like oh is there anything we can do to help like I'm quite happy to be asked and if, obviously if I say I don't need help then I don't need help but it's about asking and checking with people I think it's just about communication that's the biggest thing as a disabled person is having good communication when you ask for reasonable adjustments it might not always be possible but if you don't ask you never know and I think there's been some things when I've been like oh that's never going to work like if I ask for that they're going to be like no but actually they have and you know, it's just having that confidence to ask and see and build up that relationship with people. And for me, there's certain things about being disabled that I think are a massive advantage and have like taught me a lot. Like from quite a young age, I always have to talk to strangers because mm -hmm. I have to ask for help. And that's a massive mm -hmm. skill at the bar, being able to yeah. quickly talk to people and build a rapport. Yeah. And, you know, having the confidence to ask for things. It's, you've got to 
use the benefits like you get and also things like I'm very recognisable because there's not really many wheelchair users about it's definitely not who like like a four foot two and like a pursuing career at the bar like I'm quite unusual so people do recognise me which is a massive advantage in a way because it means that building networks is quite easy because once someone's met me they do not they remember, remember you, me yeah. sometimes it's awkward if I can't remember them but you know it's about using those like using the things that you do have and the benefits that you kind of do care to your advantage and kind of thinking like oh actually I'm really good at that because I'm disabled like that's a skill I'm really good at because of this or like I don't want to be like pitied or anything like that I'm like it doesn't really like it affects me but it doesn't like I don't let it like obviously I'm well aware I'm disabled but I'm not like it's not the focus of my existence yeah. um and that's really important and but using the experiences you have had as a disabled person for the like best and figuring stuff out yeah using it for the positives that's brilliant a positive way to end thank you um so that's it for this week um thank you very much for uh listening again we will have another guest on episode five next week we've got some great guests lined up but i'm going to keep them secret um <laughs> and so yeah please keep tuning in Thank you so much to Holly for coming. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for having me. For this for this episode because it's been it's been really lovely. It's been lovely to have you in person um, and actually get to, get to meet you. And um, yeah, so thank you very much for for coming and joining us and, and for sharing. Because I think it's it's so wonderful to have people with a range of disabilities, people who've experienced at different levels of life, different yeah. times of life, and um, and good luck with pupilage next year. Yeah. You've got a year I to go, but. I think I think it's, it's brilliant. So yeah, well done on, on getting that this year, and uh, best of luck with it. So, um, thanks for coming. Thank you, Helena. As always, thank you so you. much. Um, and until next time, uh, you've been listening to Disability Not a Bar. Thank you very much for tuning in. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>